Hello everyone, welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum, where you will hear about car news, car culture, and car talks. Here's your host, Cody Wagner. Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It is the 12th of February, and surprisingly it's actually really windy outside right now. I mean like properly windy, it's really rather surprising if you ask me. An Apple car may never happen. I, I, I am not crying, not even a bit. But here are five designs inspired by its products. Basically, if you're thinking that it that all the cars look like a, look like Macs or the iPhones, you're completely correct. And I mean entirely. You're not you're not even wrong by any small design. It just looks like a car phone. BMW talks about its most successful five series ever, the F10. Otherwise, the model years between 2012 and probably right up to 2016. All-new BMW 540i on display in Sportline trim in, well, somewhere, frankly. Koenigsegg's electrification guru specs his Regera in red carbon. And you know what, it looks really rather good. Is the European 2017 Volkswagen Passat Estate the ideal family car? In Europe it might be. ABT's Audi S4 event is hungry for power. Probably has like 450 through ABT. Japan's first Pagani Waira is a treat for the senses. Not necessarily on the eyes, though. It's completely black. I mean, there's not anything entirely wrong with black cars, but they're just kind of... As a lot of people say, you can't really see the details all that well with a black car. And it's not bad. It looks good. This is what the new 2018 BMW M5 will probably look like. And even this ren- even though this is a render, I'm, I can probably vouch for that. This looks a lot like what an M5 would look like. So if it does look like this, well, at least the rear end, then they were right. Fiat Toro could, but probably won't. Make it to the U.S. and let me stop you right there. It's a truck, which means it would probably just be a rebadged Ram. Not there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. Just that's what it would be if it were to make it to the U.S. Which would be kind of cool if it did make it to the U.S. But who knows? Oh my gosh! I've just seen the front end of that BMW M5, and how do I say this? It's they're right and wrong. Front the rear end I think is spot on. The front end, though, the lower fascia, the mouth is too wide. I get that the M5 is wider than the M2, but yeah, that needs to be shorter. Or narrower, really. It looks too wide to me. I, I just can't get my head around how wide it is. I really don't think the mouth would be that. That is really interesting. Oh, also, the reason why I said that about the Fiat Toro is because in a recent AMA, Ralph Jules said that he, well, M-A-M-A, but he was saying that he'd love to see the new Fiat Toro in America. Not that it would come to America, which is quite a shame, actually. It's quite a nice, it's quite a good-looking truck, I have to admit. I mean, of course, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but I think it's, it's a pretty good-looking truck. Better than that Honda Ridgeline. KBB says 2017 Audi A4 might as well hold the segment crown. No, no other midsize? I'm gonna say midsize sedan can come close. And you know what? I'm fine with that, because I really like the Audi A4. Rowan, not Rowan Atkinson, just Rowan. Turn Subaru Direct STI into a road-going rally car, and honestly, I beg to differ. Here's why. One, the car is too low. A rally with a rally car, you would have raised suspension. Two, yes, rally cars do have fog lights, but not these little dinky one by ones in the front end. That kind of, I'm gonna have to, I'm just gonna have to say it. They look kind of ricey to me. Three, the rims. Not just this is not just the ride height, but the rims are all wrong. They don't look bad, in fact, I really like them, but they're just not something you'd use on a rally car. Number two, they added chrome wind mirrors. I mean, that's how some people say it, but yeah. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't be in chrome on a rally car. 
Four, they added those little wind deflector things so that when you have the window down, it doesn't make that vortex sound in the car. Rally cars don't have that. Now, with that being said, they did what it, what it looks to be. It looks like they did make the air scoop on the hood a bit bigger, which is something that they would do on a rally car. And it also looks like they added little vents on the fenders, which I'm not some I'm not sure that's something everyone would do, but someone might do it on a rally car. But yeah, basically, they've made a streetcar look a little bit like a rally car in a few areas, but no, it's basically just really cool Dvirx STI. I wasn't saying that it's a that it looks bad, except for the little mustache lights on the front end, but it's it's in no way a, a road going rally car. It's less of a road going rally car than the base car is. Now, before I go ahead with this article, I must explain that yeah, I'm not trying to be offensive. This is just what the article says, and so. I don't mean anything anything snarky by it. So let's go ahead. As Americans get bigger, crash test dummies also are getting bigger as well. Now let's read the article because I don't know how long it's going to take for these bigger dummies to get into effect. But I applaud the realism that they're trying to go for here. But I mean seriously, not all Americans go to McDonald's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And get a the Big Mac. Yeah, not everyone goes and gets a Big Mac. Trying to replicate what happens in a car crash in order to improve safety is not an easy task, especially when people are getting older and bigger and the dummies stay the same. However, there is at least one manufacturer in the US that is making crash test dummies bigger and older, writes the Sacramento Bee. And this includes a prototype based on an overweight seven year old woman and another one that weighs two hundred and seventy three pounds, which is one hundred pounds more than the previous design. Oh dear. I'm not saying oh dear to me because of well there's well, at least not entirely. Why I'm saying, oh dear me, is how controversial this topic is, and that it's on my podcast. I know I'm sometimes savage, but eh, I wouldn't go this far. But anyway, the typical patient today is overweight or obese. They're the rule rather than the exception. You can't talk about injuries without talking about the person, said the director of the University of Michigan International Center of Automotive Medicine. Wow, that's that's a title card and a half. Dr. Stuart Wang, a condition size, and shape of an individual are hugely important in how severe their injuries are in any given car. Backing up Dr. Wayne's statement are the frontal crash results, where it has been noticed that obese drivers tend to slide under the lap belt, resulting in an increased rate of severe injuries to the lower extremities. Additionally, adding the elderly dummy prototype with a body mass of 29, or body mass index of 29, is mandatory since a person's chest structure changes between the ages of 20 to 80. And if ignored, it could lead to severe chest trauma. Few would have envisioned that people would drive into their 80s. But we have to look at that. As the population changes, we must have test equipment that resembles consumers today, added the president of CEO of Humanetics, a crash test dummy maker based in Plymouth, Michigan, Chris O'Connor. Anyway, though, let's swiftly move away from that and onto this. Watch the wind blow over semi truck on Wyoming patrol. Cruiser. Now, I have to say, I really hope no one was in that patrol cruiser, but this is a GIF slash an image, which means you can't see it on the podcast, but let me try and depict it for you. So, we're on a highway in Wyoming, which all, and it almost looks close to Colorado-ish, in a really sort of mountainy area, of, and yes, oh wait, oh, in Wyoming, yeah, yeah, definitely it looks close to Colorado, but anyway, so, the highway looks like it's curving just a little bit to the left, okay? And so the truck is trying to turn left with the highway. The trailer, the trailer on the other hand, is already on two wheels and is pulling the truck towards the patrol car. Now, the driver of the truck is trying to turn in the same direction that the trailer is to try and gain control of it. 
whilst also turning in the direction of the highway. And, well, he loses that battle, and the trailer pulls the truck over and smashes the patrol car. That's about it, really. I mean, it looks like he is desperately trying to hold it, and he really is, but... The wind won that battle. Hydrogen Wars, the 2017 Toyota Mirai versus the 2017 Honda Clarity. Even though back in 2010 it would have been called the FCX Clarity, but that, that doesn't matter. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this bit of the podcast, and I will see you all after a word from our sponsor. Are you uninsured or underinsured? Can't afford the high premiums of health insurance? Would you like to save money on your out-of-pocket cost for dental and medical bills? If you answered yes to any of these questions, request more information at http colon slash slash www.ownyourhealthcare.com slash alternative dash healthcare dash solutions or call Dr. Taffy at 303-576-0670. Our plans are available in 42 states. Hello, everyone. We are back. Range Rover Sport Bev caught trying to hide subtle nose job. So, wait a minute. So, it's Range Rover Sport. But what's the point of it being a Bev thing? Because the Range Rover Sport... Oh, wait, no, no. My bad, my bad. When I heard Range Rover Sport, my mind immediately went to the fast one. I was like, right, right. Oh, wait. Yeah. Hold on here. Okay, fine. Land Rover. They're the same thing anyway. Toyota... Adds more luxurious options with the iGo, with exclusive edition, and it's not it's not ex, you know, exclusive. It's X C L U S I V edition. It's trying to be all cute and funny, and it's not. It's irritating. Facelifted Skoda Octavia getting a 1.5 liter turbocharged engine this year. Volkswagen Up exclamation mark review finds it pricey but satisfying. DS7 Crossback midsize SUV captured completely undisguised. And you know what? Aspite from the terrible name, it actually looks really good, in my mind. GM says it's sold out of all new models in 2016, and somehow, that's bad news. Let's go and see why it's bad news. Audi exec speaks out about all-electric 2018 e-tron SUV, says Q6 is another CUV. FCA design boss says industry needs to collaborate on autonomous cars. Mercedes-AMG C63S estate might be the ultimate family sleeper. If you're, well, yeah, if your family can afford... But it's probably going to be an $80,000 estate car, then sure. And when I say estate car, what I mean is station wagon. Yeah. BMW individual mint green M3 competition is a true one-off. Especially because the color looks like a literal mint. Rentec turns the Mercedes Metris, which is like a modern sprinter but smaller, into a giant rolling toolbox. And it does look like a giant rolling toolbox. It's kind of bad because it's... It almost looks like it's trying to be cool and weird and... And stuff like that, and it's just weird. I don't... Oh, wait, no. Now I see. It really is a literal giant tool. Okay, that's some mess. 2018 Ford Expedition is the new big kid on the block. That's right, we have gotten a new Ford Expedition. And I really can't... I can't be helped but... I can't help but be, be reminded of 50s and 60s station wagons when I'm looking at the pillars on this thing. But hey, some, some people might like that. But yeah, you know what? It looks really good, but it also looks really big. However, I must say the taillights look a lot like the ones on the Chrysler Portal. I'm not saying they should get sued. But yeah. 
there's a lot, I find there to be a lot of similarities there. Similarity, sorry. While redesigned models such as the 2016 Malibu had their best year since 1980s in terms of sales, GM still registered an unfavorable product mix due to strong sales. Yes, really, we're not kidding you. Some, somehow. During their Q4 earnings report, GM noted that North American profit margins fell last year due to increased volume of recently, oh wait, sorry, let me redo that. Increased volume of recently launched passenger cars such as the Chevrolet Cruze, Malibu, and the Spa. While that sounds counterintuitive, the fact is that selling more of these cars hurt GM, say, hurt, cars hurt GM since they make very little money on them. Oh, right, 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 because I totally forgot, small car, it's hard to make money on small cars because, you know, they're so competitive and a bunch of other factors I've kind of forgotten, but, yeah, basically, small cars is not actually a very, an entirely profitable segment, well, anyway. At the same time, the automakers still had to lay off 1,200 or higher workers due to poor cruise sales, as cars continue piling up at dealerships nationwide with few customers. And I will say that GM actually earned a record $12 billion in North American sales last year, but almost all of it for big SUVs and pickups, as reported by Auto News. The 2017 GM project projects another overall strong year, with North American profit margins of at least 10%. Yeah, the small car market is it's so ridiculously competitive. Oh, wow. A problem loading the page? Well, I wasn't expecting that. And I'm not being sarcastic. I'm being funny, but I'm not being sarcastic. I really thought it would have been the same. They're the exact same. Range Rover and Land Rover are exactly the same. The only difference is the car. Well, they share the same platform with a few of their cars. In fact, there's even a Range Rover on their core site here. But, I mean, genuinely, the only difference is the line of cars that they have. And I'm pretty sure Range Rover only had the Range Rover Sport. Nope, I'm wrong. They have the Range Rover. That That's about it. Yeah, because Land Rover has the Discovery Sport and the all-new Discovery as well, which actually looks pretty good as well, but, yeah, they have Discovery, the Discovery Sport, and Range Rover, oh, well, right, Range Rover also has the Evoke, but, eh, like I said, it's exactly the same, in fact, why does the difference between Range Rover and Land Rover boggles me, I mean, there's just, there's just no point, they're both exactly the same, I mean, that, that's like calling the Toyota, the Toyota GT86 and the Subaru BRZ two different cars, they're exactly the same, and that's what it's like with Land Rovers and Range Rovers, would this work as Tesla's all-electric semi-truck? I... I mean, it looks good, but once again, there's functionality problems. I mean, we all know electric... Really electric... anything. Well, no, no, no. We'll say... For this argument, we'll say electric cars. We all know electric cars have terrible range. Even the best ones these days can barely do 250 miles. And you're like, oh, well, that's... You know, that, that's barely a commute in the city. And if you're always driving, that's going to be even worse. What if you're like me and live in the suburbs... Going anywhere that isn't right around town, like, I don't know, Stapleton, Northfield, Roar, you know, but doing that more than once, you're not getting a lot of miles, and especially when regular cars can manage at least a minimum of 500 miles, that's pathetic, really. And if, and if cars can barely do that, what are trucks going to be able to do? Yeah, more batteries. However, it's going to take more power to move more weight, and we all know the more weight it takes in a smaller engine, the more the smaller engine is working, meaning it's less fuel efficient. That's why downsizing stunk, and that's why everyone was like, oh no, no more downsizing, it doesn't work. And it's quite simple. Small, if you have a big car and you have a small engine, the small engine's going to have a harder time moving the extra mass of the big car. I mean, it's going to be, it's always going to be under stress, making it less efficient, because it's going to be working harder to move the ridiculous amount of mass. That's why downsizing doesn't work. But even for electric cars, even for, you know, the semi-truck, 
the same sort of principle can be roughly applied here. If, I don't know, how many batteries does a Tesla have? A thousand or so? And I'm not even exaggerating. That's about it. That Maybe 800? I really can't remember. But if that's what a, if that's what a Tesla has, and that weighs about 5,000 pounds, what are electric semi-trucks going to be like? Semi-trucks are already heavy. But electric semi-trucks are going to be even heavier, because batteries, there's going to have to add more batteries to get that range and the power you need to move it. Yes, the advantage of the electric cars is you have instant torque, and that's going to be really good for a semi-truck. But that it's not, because in order to get really good instant torque for it to really work, and for you to have good range, you're going to have to have a thousand batteries. You know, five thousand batteries. That's just not going to work. I'd be surprised if they got three hundred miles on a charge to be quite frank about it oh right the Range Rover Sport SVR that's the one I was thinking of well that and just the fast one that I can't really remember the name of or what the trim level's name is also I would hate to know how long it would take to charge an electric semi truck that would just be oh my gosh that would be awful 1969 Mercedes S sorry 230SL Resto Mod runs on an LS1 Corvette V8. I don't know how they shoehorned it into the engine bay of that 230SL, but that that sounds like an awesome engine swap to me. Doug DiMuro, I'm sorry if I said your name wrong, needs help choosing his next car. I thought he still had the Viper, though. I, I don't really keep up on what he does. But yeah, so apparently you have the regular Range Rover Sport, you know, the boring ones and the... Oh, oh, okay. So you have the Autobiography. I don't know why they called it that. They, oh, the Range Rover Sport Supercharged. Right, that's the fast one. Outside of the SBR, of course. Right, right. And then you have the HSE dynamic. Got it. Got it, right. Like I was saying, though. Oh, wait. And that's what they mean by doing the hybrid. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine-ish. I still would have done it on the regular Range Rover, those that I think would make a bit more sense. Not my problem. These spy shots reveal the gargantuan gem. I don't think it'll be a gem, but whatever. That will be the Rolls Royce Cullinan. I think I said that right. Mopar celebrates 80th anniversary with limited edition Dodge Challenger, dubbed the Mopar 17 Challenger, which is awesome. I mean, if you haven't seen images of it, go look at images of it. It looks utterly brilliant. 2018 Lamborghini Urus SUV spot in production trim stays true to concept. I'm not a big fan of the front end, and I think the roof line is going to be very Evoke-esque in the sense that it ruins Headroom, headroom, man, I'm forgetting everything, but yeah, still. But it may look good from a few angles, but I'm not, I'm getting, I'm not a big fan of how this front end looks to turn out. Acura's donating this custom NSX for a music charity auction. It's just a teaser, so I can't really tell what it looks like. McLaren's new boss wants to return to Le Mans, and frankly, I support that. 2018 Facebook the Mustang takes center stage for Ford in Chicago. Lego made Volkswagen Microbus and Atlas debut in Chicago as well. Hotter Porsche Panamera e-hybrid coming to Geneva with at least 500 horsepower. Yeah, I'm telling you, some of these fast hybrids, I think they're going to be really cool. Jeep Wrangler Hunting Unlimited by Vilnir, I think I said that correctly, is truly unique and truly expensive. He's saw guilty of using defeat device in Sushi. Oh, wait, that's the only one. South Korean court rules, apparently. 2019 Audi A1 small hatch will be a tale of evolution. Mark Webber says Red Bull Racing will challenge Mercedes this year. McLaren moving chassis production from Austria to the UK. 
Rory Reid sparks life into Top Gear with Aston Martin Road Trip. Mercedes open to creating AMG-branded versions of its EQ models. Truck driver crashes 1965 Ford Mustang while loading it on board. I weep every time I see this. I just, I cry uncontrollably. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this, and I will see you all after a word from our sponsor. Are you uninsured or underinsured? Can't afford the high premiums of health insurance? Would you like to save money on your out-of-pocket cost for dental and medical bills? If you answered yes to any of these questions, request more information at http colon slash slash www.ownyourhealthcare.com slash alternative dash healthcare dash solutions or call Dr. Taffy at 303-5. 576-0670. Our plans are available in 42 states. Hello, we are back. 2018 Honda Accent before February 16th debut. And you know what? It looks a lot better than the last accent from this teaser. Hopefully it does look better entirely and not just from the front end. FCA says Dodge Viper production will end on August 31st, sadly. We need more Vipers in our lives, but of course no one wants to drive a car that actually takes skill to drive. Everyone wants someone to keep them safe from their terrible, terrible driving. Volvo's first EV to launch in 2019 with potential 100 kilowatt battery. Alfa Romeo kills Julia Sportwagon to focus on Stelvio. This Lamborghini Aventador trapped under the snow is a college student's daily driver. Hopefully those student loan fees won't get him afterwards. Audi gives RS3 Sportback a facelift and 400 horsepower. That's crazy for a hot hatch. Nissan NV Cargo X Concept is not your mailman's delivery van, unless you live literally in the middle of Moab. FCA installing anti-ambush officer protection pack on all 2017 Charger cop cars. All new 2018 Ford Expedition adopts aluminum and drops 300 pounds. Not as much as the 600 pounds dropped by the G GMC Acadia, but that's still a decent draw. Mitsubishi Outlander Sport Limited Edition debuts in Chicago, priced on $21,995. I'm surprised they're even doing special editions considering, or sport editions or anything like that, considering how much it's aged. Alfa Romeo Stelvio QB looking to make some noise in Chicago. Volkswagen Atlas Weekend Edition makes Friday even more, or Fridays even more exciting. Chevrolet introduces Redline Special Edition for nine models, including the Camaro. BMW 5 Series crashes into a pub, misses man by just a meter. And if you're wondering what that means, that's probably probably a few feet, maybe like three. 2018 Subaru Legacy brings subtlety to Chicago Auto Show. Yeah, it really does bring subtlety. It barely looks any different. Nissan debuts midnight edition of Maxima, Sentra, Altima, Rogue, Murano, and Pathfinder in Chicago. Mercedes-Benz launches new 220D formatic wagon and sedan in the UK. Restyled 2018 Toyota Tundra and Sequoia gain new TRD Sport grades. Nissan adds King Cab body style to 2017 Toyota Half-Ton and XD range. 2018 Hyundai Elantra GT is a Euro-flavored hatch that can be had with a turbo and a manual, and I really think it looks really, really good. The front end is, it's really, it's quite simple, but they really made it work. Not to mention, it's been tuned on a Nurburgring, ring, so maybe it's properly good fun to drive as well. Toyota launches RAV4 Adventure for people with active lifestyles. But frankly, you'd be better off with a Cherokee Trailhawk. James May selling 1972 Rolls Royce Corniche? Yeah. After becoming allergic to the leather, McLaren announces new chassis factory in the UK. Dodge Challenger SRT Demon features the largest ever functional hood scoop. And I really don't think they're exaggerating. It's huge. 
However, it's the same one you saw in the Fast and Furious Challenger in the Fate of the Furious trailer. It was hard to tell with the matte black hood, but it's the same. First UK-bound Mercedes AMG E63 to arrive in June, starting from £78,935. But basically, you're going to be paying almost, not, yeah, about 90 grand for a sports sedan. Let's go to updates the City Go with fresh metal and equipment. And if you don't know why, there's a pun. Well, the Skoda City Go is basically just a Volkswagen up with a Skoda face on it. Doesn't look terrible, but that's what it is. BW hits out forward chairman for claiming he knew about emissions cheating. 2017.5 Nissan Murata comes with revised pricing. Kicks off from $29,770. This rare McLaren Mustang could be... Your own piece of automotive history. And you know what? It looks really cool to me. I'd have it. The Mercedes X-Class looks almost ready to take on the Volkswagen Amarok, but be ridiculously overpriced in the process. Italian Design's fourth and final Geneva teaser previews huge rear wing. Probably won't be as big as the Viper ACRs, though, because nothing's bigger, nothing's bigger than that. Well, maybe except for the Charger Daytona's wing, and I mean the one in the 70s. 60s, but the Vipers is more functional because it has better surface area. Volvo XC40 to launch later this year. More SUVs possible. Tesla to start pilot production of Model 3 on February 20th. Chevrolet Camaro GT4R to face off against Ford and McLaren. Lamborghini's first restored 350 GT2 be displayed at Retromobile. Mercedes AMG GTR hitting the waves as a new cigarette racing boat. X Jensen button owned 2005 Ford GT going under the hammer. And if you don't understand what that means, basically, they're going to sell it at an auction. Infinity rolls out new Q50 and QX80 signature editions in Chicago. BMW nabs former Bugatti Veyron as Skoda chief designer, Joseph Caban. I think I got that correct, actually. This stunning Aston Martin 177 selling for who knows how much. And knowing what when it was new, it's all for, it's all for what? It was all for a million. I almost thought 11 million, but no, but... 177s are really rare. This might sell for, I want to say 2 million, but I also kind of don't think it'll sell for that much. Ferrari California T goes up in flames in Belgium. Chevrolet's dirt-loving 2017 Colorado ZR2 priced for $40,995. This awesome rally cross began is ProDrive's latest project, and I really hope that they finish it because it does look awesome. Project Cars 2 Racing Sim will arrive later this year. Takeda pleading guilty in federal court agrees to pay $1 billion settlement. Yeah, if you're surprised to haven't gone bankrupt yet, you might want to wait a few more months. Chevrolet Corvette C7 owner forced to cough up $62,000 after video re-refutes insurance claim. 2018 Volvo V90 priced in the U.S. from $49,950 and is for order only. Grabs heavy-duty night models to debut at the Chicago Auto Show. Production spec Lamborghini Urus, I think I keep getting that right and wrong, may debut at Shanghai Auto Show. Updated Volkswagen Benz Vito Taxi comes with more standard features and rear steering axle. Faraday Future hit with $210,000 lawsuit over its domain name. Musk says Tesla Model 3 is too small for 100 kilowatt battery, somehow. Pin in for... Pininfarina to reveal eight 600 hyperkinetic luxury sedan concept in Geneva, and as far as I can tell, it's going to be beautiful. Though I think that could be a massive stretch, as all I can see is the rear end. If it's anything like the Aston Martin Lagonda, and I mean the modern one, well, well there you go. Enough said. Ram 1500 Copper Sport coming to Chicago starts at $46,950. Volkswagen launches electric vehicle subsidiary as part of Dieselgate punishment. BMW agrees to $478 million settlement over water-damaged 5 Series, forward to almost double its U.S. SUV fleet by 2020. Tesla Model S P100D hits 0-60 to 60 
in 2.28 seconds during Motor Trend test. And this is the problem I have with all this. Oh, we're going to go ludicrous everything for Tesla. And I know that some people say, oh, well, it's the same problem that Dodge is having with the SRT of buying everything. I'm not sure it holds true for, for Dodge, but here, here's why. To put it simply, all these electric car manufacturers saying, oh, well, we can do 0 to 60 in 2 point, you know, something, something, because the people who are going to buy these cars, they don't care about 0 to 60 times and stuff like that. They care about, oh, I'm saving the planet because I'm not. I don't have an internal combustion engine. You're not because every, where's the majority of electricity come from? Factories. What do they use to make electricity? Coal. What does coal do? produce carbon dioxide. What does carbon dioxide do? Pollute. What does polluting do? Hurt the planet. So no, having an electric car does not mean you're automatically saving the planet. Not to mention to make an electric car, you have to hurt the planet anyway. But aside from that, the people who are going to buy these cars don't care. Okay. But then the people who are curious, they're going to do it anyway. And electric cars are different from internal combustion engine cars because they have instant torque. Not everyone knows what instant torque is like. Barely anyone knows what instant torque is like, well, to feel it in a car. And I just don't get it, because why are Tesla and similar ones like Lucid Air or whatever doing this? When the people who are going to buy this will not be able to handle doing 0 to 60 in 2.8 seconds. Like, just imagine they're at a stoplight, okay, and you're behind someone. You know, okay, well, I'll just put the ludicrous mode on, you know, see what it's like to drive, expecting nothing, very scary. And then they automatically rear-end the car in front of them. People can't handle doing these kind of 0 to 60 times, and they can't, they can barely handle 300 horsepower V6 Mustangs and Camaros and stuff. They can barely handle their Altimos for juice sakes, but I just don't get it. And I get it, and I get that the same can be said for a lot of other cars. However, a lot of those cars, you know, they're, they're the performance moniker, they're a lot, they look more, they're far more aggressive in their looks, and their driving style, whatever, and a lot of people are like, well, I don't need any of that. But with these electric cars, it's not like that. They're more like regular cars. Well, in fact, what they're actually like, they're like sleep, and again, that just doesn't work. Basically, I don't know how many how many times someone's going to get rear-ended by a Tesla this year, but no one can handle this. And I don't get why all these electric car manufacturers are trying to one-up each other. If rich guys can't handle their, you know, four, five, eights and event stores and stuff, what makes them think that the general population, or, well, let's be honest here, that someone in their 50s or 60s can afford a Tesla Model S? Because let, let's be honest here, the people who are buying Tesla Model S's they're a little bit older, have a little bit more money in the bank from their retirement fund, and yeah, and they're getting a Tesla because it's cool and it's sort of it's sort of like all the futuristic cars in the 50s. But but those are the kind of people who are really buying Teslas because no first-time family in their 30s or 40s are going to be able to afford a Tesla, okay? Because even a base one is about 60 grand. No one's going to be able to afford that other than someone who has a lot of money left over in their retirement fund. And again, people who are you know who are at that age and older who can afford a Tesla and buy a Tesla, again, they can't, well, unless they're like a racing driver, like uh, Mario Andretti, they really can't handle something that can go 0 to 60 in 2.28 seconds. I mean, yeah, it's cool, because it really proves, it really proves the point that instant torque is ridiculously awesome. But again, the people who buy these cars can't handle it, and I've been saying that time and time again. And I know you're probably thinking, oh, well, they can turn, you know, they can just turn the setting off or not bother with it anyway. But once they see the setting, they're going to get curious. Because, let's face it, everyone's only human. And they're going to get curious, they're going to press it, and then bend it into a tree or something. But anyway, I have saved the best for last. There is now a Durango SRT. That's right, I am not making it up. Not even vaguely. Meet the fastest and most powerful Dodge SUV ever to be built. With 475 horsepower coming from the 3-point... And the 392 cubic inch Hemi V8 or the 6.4 liter engine that's in the stat pack of the SRT Challenger and Charger, 
The Durango SRT has timed at at zero to sixty miles per hour in four point four seconds for an SUV, with a quarter mile time of twelve point nine seconds, and that has been certified by the NHRA. Dodge claims it's the fastest, most powerful, and most capable three-row SUV. I mean, of course, you have the BMW X5 and stuff, but I'm not sure those are necessarily three-row SUVs. I mean, even the Jeep Grand Cherokee SRTA, which has the same engine, isn't a three-row SUV, and it's not even an option for that. So that's really rather impressive. That's not all, though. Not even by a long shot. The Durango was engineered to be, to be more user-friendly than past muscle cars and muscle SUVs, if there has ever been a muscle SUV. And, man, I just love this, because this was like this was like that Shelby Durango back in 1999 or 1998. I'm, t I'm just getting so many so much nostalgia of that Durango in this one, because it's, it's almost exactly the same. The 0-60 quarter mile times were no doubt aided by the all-wheel drive system, putting power through double the contact patch of a rear-wheel drive car. Heat extractors on the hood flank functional air inlet ducts, take hot air from the engine bay, and engineers added a cold air duct to drop the intake air temperature by 18 Fahrenheit, 18 degrees Fahrenheit, sorry, keeping power high even when the Durango is being heavily used and abused. That power prevents embarrassing power drop, wait, that prevents embarrassing power drops afflicting some competitors, and likely came out as a result of SRT's 24-hour track durability test. The 2018 Dodge Durango SRT's torque flight 8-speed automatic transmission is roughly the same design as normal Durangos have, but with a different calibration. It can be manually shifted using steering wheel paddles on the SRT lit flat bottom steering wheel with computer shifts based on engine torque gradients, pedal position, longitudinal and lateral acceleration, grade changes, tire slip, cruise control, electronic stability control status, temperature, and the steering wheel paddles. When the driver downshifts manually, the rev match function uses the engine controller to blip the throttle for better performance and stability when shifting at the traction limit. In addition, when the driver chooses sport mode, the transmission cuts shift times by up to 50% and delivers 60%, 65% of the torque to the rear wheels. That torque is 470 pound-feet at 4,300 RPM. <laughs> the all-wheel drive system includes transfer case proportioning and dynamic controls when in track mode. The 2018 Dodge Durango boasts 160 millisecond shifts with up to 70% of the torque delivered to the rear wheels for ideal responsiveness from mid-corner to exit. The new T-Shifter has an auto-stick selector gate for added control as an alternative to the paddles. Drive and sport shifting can be selected with no effect on the chosen suspension, stability control, and driveline torque split settings. The 2018 Dodge Durango's SRT launch control system brings all controls together for ideal launches and consistent straight-line acceleration. And yes, you do get the SRT performance pages like in any other SRT car. The exhaust was tuned for SRT's deep high-performance note. That included replacing the rear mufflers with resonators in the 2.75-inch dual exhaust system. Braking is excellent, especially for a three-row SUV. The 2018 Dodge Durango SRT comes to a full stop from 60 miles per hour and 115 feet, thanks to the massive Brembo six-piston front and four-piston rear calipers with vented rotors at all four corners measuring 15 inches front slotted and 13.8 inches in the rear. That's almost ACR size brakes. Holy mess. Yeah, but that, I could go on and on and on, but this is basically gone on for longer. But yeah, this, this is going to be one ridiculously awesome SUV. Now, what is the price going to be? It's probably going to be about 70k, but you know, that's about, well, because it's a bigger car and it's different from the Grand Cherokee SRT in a few areas. That's 
right around, that's probably actually what it should be. If it's 80k, then that's going to be a little bit more than I would have thought. Probably a little bit too much. But anyway, I hope you all enjoyed this, and I will see you all next week. Hopefully, I'm not too sore next week. But anyway, later. You've just listened to Cody's Car Conundrum. Be sure to join us every Sunday. You can subscribe to Cody's YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash C slash Viper for Life ACR. Be sure to get Cody's books on Amazon at www.amazon.com slash Cody dash Wagner slash E slash capital B zero one nine capital K capital X seven two capital Z eight. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Be sure to follow Cody here so you don't miss any episodes. Bye until next time.